It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. here of uh, local sports talk for you. You can always reach out to us on the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline at 765-447-4080. That's 765-447-4080. Always love hearing from you guys. Let's get started like we always do. It's time for the Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. Oh, why? It's uh, a little bit of a slow day here on a Friday. There wasn't a whole lot going on yesterday. Like, we didn't have any, what, uh, no Blackhawks, no Pacers, no Bulls, no Purdue, no Big Ten basketball. So, like, it was a little bit slow. Uh, There was girls' hoops last night. West Lafayette won its fifth in a row. They improved to 9-1 after they beat Carmel 64-59. Tonight, though, boys' hoops action picks up with the IU Health Hoops Classic Semis. Over at Harrison, it's Central Catholic in Jeff at 6 p.m. And uh, Westside versus Harrison for the championship berth at 7.30. On the south side, at McCutcheon, it'll be Twin Lakes against those Mavericks, 6 p.m. And then 7.30, Rensselaer Central and B.C. for the other championship berth. That attorney uh, is going to wrap up tomorrow at Jeff, starting at 1 o'clock over there at Crawley. The championship game will be at 7 Uh, Not playing in the tournament, but playing tonight. Faith Christian with a uh, home-and-home against Delphi. The boys at home, 7.30, while the girls will tango out in Delphi against the Oracles. I cannot believe that we have to do this story today, but we have to do this story today. Drew Brees did not, I repeat, Drew Brees did not get struck by lightning while filming a commercial for points bet. But that's what I woke up to. That's what some of you had thought had happened. Here's the deal. There was a video that circulated this morning in Spanish. Drew Brees on the set of a points bet commercial. And this is coming from like a cell phone camera. All of a sudden there's a flash of light and a little bit of a noise. And then it cuts off. Should be, look, you didn't see it happen, all right? So that should be the question number one to that. Number two, if you go back to Drew's um, Twitter account, you'll see that he was teasing going to a top secret location to film the next commercial. Then we're led to believe that that top secret location is Venezuela, which, as you know, typically loves the U.S. and and Americans, so no problem getting him down there. To film at some place which is like some lightning hotspot, some lake. Well, turns out that uh, even though all these red flags existed, some people bought into it. And uh, then PointsBet kind of didn't want to get into any details. 
Then they released another part of the commercial where Drew's in an ambulance. I'm fine. It's lightning bets from points bet. And then he gets out. He gets shocked by lightning again. It's a gag. <sighs> really? I was shocked at how many people thought that this was going to be real. This is like, remember the Tom Brady uh, video from the beginning of the year? And he was throwing footballs into the jugs machine and it was like pitching it right back to him. And people were like, no, that's real. No, it's not real. Stop it. Just like those old NFL fantasy football commercials where you have the players doing ridiculous things. Kobe jumping over the car. It's not real. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Drew's okay is what I guess what I'm telling you. Shout out to uh, Purdue Volleyball, an eighth seed in the NCAA tournament in action tonight against Tennessee. It's a rematch from earlier in the season that saw Purdue beat Tennessee in the Tennessee Classic on their floor, uh, three to one. Uh, Tennessee is seven and three over its last ten matches. They are zero and six on the season against ranked opponents. Uh, the Boilermakers have uh, now earned a bid to the NCAA tournament in eight straight years. Dave Shondell has in the tournament for 17 of his 20 years of coaching with a 30-16 and 16 record. Shout-out to Coach Shondell, uh, and uh, shout-out to that squad there. Uh, can't wait to see what Purdue Volleyball ends up doing here. If they win, they would turn around and uh, have to play, it looks like, uh, Louisville this weekend. We'll see what happens. I, I, I don't bet against Dave Shondell. I know that. Get the freshman and the libero of the year and, uh, and Ava Hudson as well. I mean, they, they got hitters. Man, they're good. And he's bringing in like one of the best classes in the country too next year. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. There you go. That is today's need to know news. All right. Last night, uh, wait, we, we, we called that game. We called Thursday night football the best, best, didn't we? We said the under. We said that uh, Buffalo was going to go ahead and cover that. So. Let's go. Let's go into the weekend as big winners here. Tonight, there's not a ton going on here. At least from a personal interest standpoint. Like, I'm thinking about the, um, I'm thinking about Saturday's championship game. There is some Big Ten action this evening. Illinois is going out to Maryland, and I'm, I'm pumping the brakes just a little bit on that game. Because I still, what is Maryland? They're undefeated, but they have not faced anybody. Maryland's one and a half point favorite at home, wins over Niagara. That's the women's team, man. I don't know why they gave me the women's schedule here for Pete's sakes. Maybe ESPN's just messed up here. Uh, no, they play Illinois tonight. Here we go. Wins over Louisville, who's terrible. Coppin State, Miami, St. Louis, Binghamton, West Carolina, Niagara. I don't know who this Maryland team is. I think they're good, uh, but I also know that Illinois has got a lot of great talent. I mean, Shannon's just, dude, is a machine shooting the basketball right now. I'm pumping the brakes on this one. Maryland's a one and a half point favorite. If I had to pick a uh, 
if I had to make a pick, my gut tells me the Illini, but Maryland six and one against the spread. Illinois four and two and one against the spread this year. It's only one and a half points. It's really right down the middle. I just I'd back off of it and let's just wait and see what's what here with Maryland before we get crazy with anything. I feel like that's a safe thing. I am thinking about tomorrow's Big Ten championship game, though. From what I have been told from my guys in the desert here, we're at 17 points now. If that goes to 17 and a half, that is probably the ceiling. They do not expect this thing to get to 18. I believe the sharp money is coming in at 17 and a half if it does get there. You're sitting at 17 right now. So if you're holding out, thinking it's going to get back up to 18, take it at 17 and a half if you can get it tomorrow. So what are we looking at? Personally, I am right. I will take the 17 and a half tomorrow, but I think there's some better bets on here for you. Maybe a little bit of an easier pill for you to swallow if you want to be a Purdue homer in this one and you think they're going to cover, but at the same time, you you know, you have a that pit in the back of your throat. I get it. I'll tell you this, last year in the Big Ten Championship game, just 17 points in the first half, which involved the Wolverines. You're looking at 28.5 right now in the first half. The over's already at minus 120, so you're in plus money if you want to take under that. But both of these teams, both Michigan and Purdue, are they like to do a majority of the scoring in the second half. Purdue scored more points in the second half during three of its past four games than they have in the first. And you're looking at only 26.5 in that one, in the second half. Also of note here, maybe you want to take the spread, 8.5 for Michigan. They're outscoring opponents by a net of 116 points over the past six contests in the second half. They're winning by a margin of 116 over the last six in the second half. 8.5 is that margin uh, therefore, Michigan, I look at the halves here. I like the second half bet more than I like the first half bet. But I think there will be a feeling out process early on there in the first to see who's attacking where. They'll make the adjustments, and they'll get after it in the second half. I think the points fly in the second half. You may want to live bet that total uh, after the first. I think you're going to get a little bit lower. I think Michigan... Probably ends up winning this game. But I do think Purdue covers this. I did this earlier in the week. Double-digit underdogs under Jeff Brom. They were covering it was like 6-2-1. and So I'm willing to ride on that 17-and-a-half tomorrow. That's for me. I'll, I'll take an under... I'll think about the first half under. I think I'm looking at the second half over 25 and a half as my second is my favorite bet. Uh, that's how I'm going to go ahead and roll. Plenty of options for you depending on what you like. I know some of you don't like to bet on teams you're cheering for or bet against teams you're cheering for. I understand that. I hate doing that as well. That's where fantasy football kills me, right? Your team's playing on Monday night, but you got like the opposing running back. You want to see your team win, but you're also like, I need that dude to score so I can win. It's a terrible position to be in sometimes. So there you go. There's some options for your Big Ten championship game. 
If you're going to take Purdue, 17 and a half is where it is at. It's probably going to get close to that. So you're about at the peak here. Then I hear experts telling you 26 and a half under first half. I like the over in the second half of 25 and a half. And uh, you could even take Michigan in that second half of the spread, eight and a half, if you are not a believer in a Boilermaker victory. We're going to take a little time out here. Coming up next, Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology is going to join us next. Uh, We're getting close to starting to put out these first round of brackets. They put out a preseason bracket. We'll see how that's doing. Uh, and we'll see when we can start really getting into this bracket talk. How many teams do they think are going to get in from the Big Ten, too? We're going to talk about that with Brian. He's coming up next. Stick around. There's plenty more Hammer Down show on the way on 1017 The Hammer and 1017 thehammercom Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. We're going to go over to our Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead hotline because it's never too early to start talking about brackets. Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology is on with us here. Uh, this is a great group at uh, Delphi High School that um, has, has been nationally ranked over the... Brian, tell me about just how good you guys have been over the last several years with this. Well, we, we were the best in the business in 2016. We've had uh, three or four uh, top 15 finishes. Uh, last year, we were in the middle of the pack. It wasn't one of our better years, but we're, we're known as probably one of the top 30 bracketologists in the country, and as we've been as high as two, um, but there's a rolling scale where our good year, uh, a couple of good years have fallen off, so... But, but we're well-respected. I appreciate that from a, a lot of people across the country uh, that do this. It's a bunch of hard work for our students and our fellow faculty members here that uh, we meet every Tuesday morning uh, starting in November uh, to talk basketball and, and to put out uh, the best information we can on our website and our Twitter feed. And then uh, we have a, a ISC Sports puts us on their, their Internet television show. Uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, and, and we hope to – inform basketball fans of, of where their teams are likely to be seated. And we've been rather accurate uh, over the years. So as it stands here, as we get into December, I know there's a lot of speculation here. You were telling me, you know, the, the official, the net ranking, which is one of those uh, big uh, tools that you guys use to put these brackets together. That's not officially out yet. I mean, at this point, if you were to put it together, it's, it's preseason rankings and what, maybe like Ken Palm and, uh, right, in that kind of stuff here. I know you guys did put together a preseason uh, kind of bracket here before anybody tipped off. How's that holding up right now? It's not holding up very well at all because you just go off of what happened last year and who's returning, and then the games actually start, and and teams uh, all over the country are either winning games that you don't expect uh, or, or losing games, and that changes uh, rapidly. We do a good job, Jared, with who wins and who loses and what the net ranking is, the Ken, uh, Ken Palm numbers you referenced. We also use BartTorvik.com. Uh, so we use the data uh, a lot more than uh, analyzing uh, the players and, and all of that. That's been our strength uh, in our club for, for a long time. It kind of takes the bias out of it uh, a, a little bit. But there's not enough data right now other than a, a few of those websites. So we're just meeting now and talking about trends, what conferences are looking good, because that's important. If your conference is doing well, when you get inside a conference, every win's going to be a quad one or a quad two that helps you get selected to the tournament and gets you better seedings. And so far, the Big Ten has had a really solid start when everyone thought this year 
the Big Ten might be down. So those are the kind of things that we can look at as fans right now. Um, who's getting good quality wins? They become official once that net ranking comes out first of December. Uh, we are talking with Brian Tonsoni here from Delphi Bracketology here on our Hammerhead Hotline. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, Big Ten here. Um, obviously, you got three undefeated teams in Indiana, Maryland, and Purdue. Uh, Illinois looks, you know, good. Iowa can definitely score. Uh, but uh, there are some surprises there, right? Are there a couple of teams that maybe you did not have in the bracket early on here in your preseason in the Big Ten that all of a sudden you're like, hey, uh, we vastly underestimated these guys, and uh, they're looking like a tournament team right now? Yeah, Maryland's the number one surprise team that would, would fit that, uh, you know, those characteristics, we probably had them out uh, in the preseason and they've worked their way in. They still need to get some quality wins. Uh, they, they're undefeated, but they don't have the wins that Purdue has. They don't have the wins that I, Indiana has. Um, but they would be in a bracket if we were to do it today based on what information we have because they've gotten off to a good start. Uh, on the other hand, Michigan has has lost a couple of games and just has not played well. So when the metrics come out, the net comes out, I think they're going to be a lot lower than people expected them to be. So Maryland on the rise uh, and Michigan has has dropped, and, and then a lot of people are where they're at. I, I'd say Purdue greatly improved themselves uh, in Portland. Anytime you can beat Gonzaga and Duke uh, back-to-back, and, and then they have five power five wins. So that's um, – that's just really solid on, on Purdue. Indiana has two power five wins, including a big win the other night. Uh, and as you said, Illinois, those are the cr- cream of the crop um, on uh, in the Big Ten right now. And, uh, you know, too, they, they get a little bit more props, too, for doing the Duke and the uh, Gonzaga game on a neutral court, right? You get, you get a little bit more of a, a pop out of those wins on top of that. Right. Neutral wins, road wins matter uh, because that's where you're going to be playing in the tournament. And that's basically tiebreaker seed line adjustments. Uh, and if you're in the 10-11 seed area, maybe the difference between getting in and not getting in. But, yeah, those road wins and those neutral wins are, are really, really valuable. What about Michigan State right now? You know, they sit at 5-3. and three. It is Michigan State. Uh, you- Look, you, you run an Indiana blog as well there, too. You, you've seen this story before. They go out there, they play some very tough competition early on, and then everybody kind of writes them off, and then all of, a sudden, all of a sudden the end of January comes, and uh, they look like an absolute wagon here. But uh, what have you seen early out of Michigan State, and are you worried about them yet? They, they have some really great wins early, and then they have some injuries. I, I think they're down a starter or two, uh, and that's why they struggled at Notre Dame here recently. Uh, they don't have their full complement of players, and that's something that the selection committee will look at too. Uh, before the injury, uh, they played Gonzaga tough and and beat Kentucky, and then they had some injuries and lost some games. So that's a situation there where we try to keep track of major injuries throughout the uh, the season from teams. And if there's a big difference between how they play with and without that player, the committee will take that into consideration. Michigan State will be there at the end. I think they're better than people thought. Uh, that's their early results, and when they get their full complement of players back, probably in time for the January run uh, in Big Ten, they're going to be a real tough out in the Big Ten. How many teams, Brian, would you speculate? What's the bar here? How many teams for the Big Ten get in? Great question. We we talked as a group when we put our first bracket together that this was a six-seven bid league because of everyone who graduated, all the talent that left, and the new players uh, we just didn't know about. 
Right now, it looks like eight minimum um, with, with the solid play up and down. And really, there are – I wouldn't be surprised to see nine. Uh, right now, 11 teams would eleven teams would be in consideration uh, for a, a bid, and no team's going to get 11 because they're going to, um, you know, beat themselves up throughout the Big Ten season. But I wouldn't be surprised to see nine teams, which is a shock to a lot of people uh, who follow college basketball because they thought this would be a year where – the Big Ten would be uh, uh, down. But once they get in the Big Ten, every every game's going to be a quad one or quad two uh, opportunity for all of these teams in the Big Ten, and that's just going to boost their resume. So I, I'm looking at eight, definitely, uh, unless something horrible happens inside the Big Ten. I think eight and maybe nine. Brian Johnsoni from Delphi Bracketology. So uh, let me ask you, if the fans want to check out what you guys got cooking here, you, you talked about the show on, uh, you know, the appearances you make on ISC here, but you guys also have a website and everything too. When can fans go and check out your, uh, your, your first bracket projections with the net and all that stuff? Give me the layout here. Yeah, it's probably going to come out in a couple of weeks. Uh, our webpage is DelphiBracketology.com, uh, and we put out uh, some articles, just brief. Uh, we call them uh, listicles, where it's three or four or five bullet points real quick so you can grab it on your phone for a quick college basketball update. Uh, we'll be doing more of that as the season progresses, uh, instructing and sharing what is happening inside the bracket. But the actual bracket that is posted on our website will be probably updated uh, right before we leave for Christmas break, and then it'll be updated every week uh, in January and February. You can follow us on uh, social media, uh, Twitter at Delphi Brackets, and we will interact. If you have a question or a concern, we throw out little tidbits of big wins and some huge losses uh, almost on a, a nightly basis. And when we cover games, uh, like the other night, I was in Bloomington. We've been to Mackey two or three times already. We'll try to do a, a few game updates and and what we think we're seeing from a variety of teams on on Twitter is our, our main social media page they do a really really great job too and they're right here in our own backyard so we're really lucky to have a uh, a resource like those uh, kids over at uh, delphi bracketology and brian as well to uh, be able to crunch these numbers have our own bracket experts right here in town is uh, always nice to be able to check in and uh, see what is what and like i said to uh, brian is a part of there's some iu blog that you uh that you do too yeah. right yeah i'm part of the assembly uh a call uh, post game and, and radio show on a Thursday night. We're part of something called the back home network. Uh, so uh, did a show last night, at nine o'clock Thursday to talk Indiana basketball. And what about this rivalry, Jared? I, I, both teams are ranked in the top 10 Torvik and Ken Palm, both in the top 10. It's what Indiana basketball is all about. Having a couple of schools, Indiana state uh, pulled off an upset over Drake uh, in the Missouri Valley. Ball State's got a new coach. Uh, Indiana basketball, college basketball, high school basketball, it's live, man. It's alive and it's exciting, and uh, we're glad to share with your listeners uh, any information we can uh, to help uh, understand uh, the successes we're going to see in the state of Indiana. They all won on Wednesday night. Every Notre Dame won, uh, Butler won, yeah. Purdue, and like the literally the entire state won on Wednesday night. It was uh, yeah. pretty darn amazing. As it should be. Yes, as it, as it should be, my friend. You, we can all agree on, our, on that one. Uh, Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology. I'm sure we'll be checking in all year long with you and your students. Uh, good luck in that first round of projections, buddy. Thank you. Anytime you need us. Let... Thank you to Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology. It's 
the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. We'll get that interview uh, posted up here with the whole show after the show, uh, in case you missed. They do such a great job over there. It's such a cool club, too, right? I never had anything close to being that cool in high school to where you just you get together and you hash it out like you're the selection committee. Use the same metrics. You talk it all out. And, you know, they do more than just, like you said, they do a little bit more than just um, uh, giving you those projections. I mean, they do like little team capsules and stuff and games. It's a very cool site. I think it's awesome. They've had a lot of success in the past. It's not an exact science, but, you know, when you're beating some of the national bracketologists, that's pretty darn impressive. So big thank you to uh, Brian and yeah, right now, I mean, you can basically go off Ken Palm and a few other minor things, and that's not uh, you know, the data yet. So uh, interesting stuff from him. Uh, it's always fun just to talk some basketball with him, man. It's always great. All right, tomorrow is the big one here. It's the uh, Big Ten Championship game, Purdue versus Michigan State. We're sitting in an 18-point spread right now. Um, you'll hear Kyle and myself from 10 to noon tomorrow, 10 to noon. Uh, we'll get you set as you're out running those errands. Maybe you're getting everything put together to head on down to uh, Indianapolis, maybe do a little bit of tailgating, maybe a little uh, pregame in some place, whatever it is. Get us on. We'll have you covered. That's uh, tomorrow. Again, we'll be on from uh, 10 to uh, noon. and It's an interesting game, man. Real interesting game. The more and more you take a look at it, the more and more I come down to two areas that's going to decide this thing. And and it's and the trenches on both sides, quite frankly. Michigan's defensive uh, line is just they're, they're havoc causers. They're very good. They rush you as a quarterback. They like to apply that pressure. Get in the backfield. They just cause havoc. Purdue's offensive line has to be up to the test here, and that's going to be a very, very tough test. Whether or not Aiden O'Connell's going to be able to throw the football tomorrow comfortably uh, may very well decide this game. On the other side, Purdue's defensive line has to stop the run game. That's very obvious. Not that Michigan can't throw the football, but it wants to run the football. It wants to do that. If Purdue can win in those two areas, they can win this football game on Saturday. By controlling the line of scrimmage both sides there, they're going to be able to limit the big plays and perhaps create some for themselves. We all know that the big play has come up to bite this defense in the butt, especially at the end of halves. It was a trend for quite some time this season. We know if that offensive line can control the line of scrimmage for a while and give Aiden O'Connell some time to throw, they're going to be able to finish some drives. It's as simple as that. I'm not worried about Charlie Jones kicking in. I'm not worried about Payne Durham kicking in. I'm not worried about Devin Mockaby kicking in. I'm worried about controlling the line and letting the offense do what it needs to do and have the time that it needs. Devin Mockaby, the 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 little little sliver 
of daylight that he needs to turn a play into a gain of, you know, of four yards instead of a gain of maybe two or one and a half on first down. These are the areas that worry me the most. But strong play on both sides of the ball there on the lines, I mean, that gives you a chance. Now, with Purdue's offensive line being in the condition that it is in, in the depth that it currently has, I, I think it's it's got some personnel to hold up here, but it's on real thin ice. It's on really thin ice. I have a little bit more faith right now in the defensive line being able to control and, and slow down the, uh, the, the running attack. I, I think if you can just... It, if you make Michigan want to throw it just a little bit more, get them out of what they want to do, maybe that's the little glimmer of hope you need. Maybe that's that little sparkle that can get you uh, into this game. I still think Purdue does cover. But I'm worried about end of halves, and I'm worried about Purdue giving up the big plays. And Michigan had plenty of those last week against Ohio State. Now, in talking with folks this week, a lot of folks that cover this program, a lot of folks that I respect their opinions, I would tell you that almost all of them say, "Eh, I don't know about this one. I don't know about this one. We said the same thing last year. In the bowl game against Tennessee, didn't we? Now, that was only a seven-point game. But there was no David Bell, no George Karloftis, and we said, oh boy, we're in trouble here, right? This is going to be a problem. And then all of a sudden, Brock Thompson, on two bad legs, has a performance for the ages, and Purdue wins that one in overtime. It was a solid Tennessee team. This is going to be a little bit different. Michigan knows what needs to be done on this weekend. They have been here before. Purdue has not. I think they'll understand that Purdue is playing with some house money here, so to speak. And that makes Purdue dangerous. They know they don't have anything to lose. You can open up the playbook. You don't have to worry about disguising anything for anybody. You can go out there, you can play fast, you can play loose, you can roll the dice, and when you roll the dice, there's still a chance for you to hit that point number. It's a chance to make the money. Maybe that's all they need is the chance. I'm trying to be very optimistic about this one. You're you're looking for that path, right? What is that path in here? Because Purdue is not going to, if you break it down, whatever metrics you want to break it down here to, you know, uh, secondary versus uh, wide receivers, linebackers versus running backs, offensive line versus defensive line. Purdue's probably winning very few of those battles, aren't they? Aiden O'Connell has not been the most consistent guy, or at least the guy at the level of consistency we had anticipated uh, earlier on in the season. He's not a letdown by any stretch of the imagination. But I think you were just so hopeful out of the bowl game that this was going to be that, that huge year for him. Now, obviously, he's dealing with a lot of personal stuff right now. I'm not piling on him at all. 
just like I said, we're, we're, we're looking at this game. Last week, 18 for 29 for 290. That's the most amount of yards he had thrown since uh, October the 22nd against Wisconsin when he had 320. That's the last time he also went over 300 yards. I mean, early on in the season, he was putting up the big numbers here. 365 against Penn State, 424 against Syracuse. 360 against Maryland, 391 versus Nebraska, 320 versus Wisconsin. In fact, there was only two games in the first, uh, what was this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, two games in the first seven where he didn't go over 300 yards. But since we got to November, it's 168 against Iowa, good, good defense, 237 against Illinois, good defense, 159 against Northwestern, 290 last week uh, against Indiana. I don't know what to expect out of him. I think there's the story and there's the narrative here of what he's going through personally. And you, you, you feel like when somebody has something like that to play for, when they've been through what they've been through, that there's just that kind of shedding it all moment, letting it all hang out, and, and greatness can happen. Maybe that does happen to him on Saturday. I'd love nothing more for him to be able to experience that after what that young man has been through. But, you know, he's also been away with other things on his mind, and he has not taken the full week of prep. I think he's been here since Wednesday. I'm not criticizing him for that. I'm surprised he's even playing, because I don't know that I would have had the strength to play the IU game or this game. I think he's been dialed in since Wednesday. I think he's ready to come out here and and sling that football and do whatever it takes. He'll leave it all out on the field. I really do expect a good game out of him. I do. Vegas, on the other hand, does not have him really airing it out too much. 234 is the over-under from Vegas on him. He's only failed to cover that in four games this year. Northwestern. Iowa, Minnesota, and Indiana State. Indiana State, he didn't, didn't play the whole game. I think that's I probably think that's a little bit low for him. This is a real interesting game. They have to limit on defense the big plays. I think they have to slow down the run game of Michigan. Now, on the other side, the offensive line has to give Aiden O'Connell time to do what he does. Charlie's going to get a lot of extra attention. Payne Durham in the flats here, making some plays for you. And a second wide receiver, be it TJ Sheffield or whoever else, can be primed to have a big day here. Just like Brock Thompson stood up and did down at the Music City Bowl. It's possible, folks. 17 points is a lot. I think they cover. And there is a path for them to win this game. I think Nate Barrett told me something earlier this week. Yes, You know, maybe they win this game one out of ten times. But they do win that game one time. And it could definitely be this one. So why not? We're going to take one more break here. We'll come back. We will wrap up the Hammer Down Show. Get you ready for the Boiler Basketball Show next on one. 
Coming up next, we'll do the Boiler Basketball Show. That's about 10 minutes away here on 1017 The Hammer. Myself, Jeff Julek. I'll also talk with uh, our good buddies Alan Karpik and Nate Barrett's just had such a great week of Boilermaker basketball to recap here, too. So that's coming up here at the top of the hour. Uh, we always love hearing from you guys on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Phil says uh, 17 points, a little too low. Won't be betting on Purdue. Michigan will cover. I will tell you this. I mean, the, the history of this game tells you that, yeah, the the favorite is going to cover. That's That's what the history of the Big Ten Championship will tell you. I will tell you this, since 2005, underdogs are 63, 54, and 3 against the spread. That's 53.8% slim margin. However, unranked underdogs against the spread in conference title games, 14 and 6, covering by an average margin of 10.58 points. Other few things you might want to consider. Totals under 45 points have gone 9-1 to the over, but that doesn't really apply to anybody. None of the other stuff I got here has a ton of value here. Overs in indoor venues are 28-25-1 since 2005, and they only get over by about 1.8 points per game. Not a whole lot of of wiggle room there. Unders in conference championship games since 2005 are 60, 59, and 1. Again, we're, we're like right there on that over-under. But that number stuck out to me there. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. All right, let's get to some of the things that we may have missed. Uh, I am flabbergasted that we couldn't get the border war back. Reports today that Missouri and Kansas were slated to be in the Liberty Bowl, but Missouri does not want to play Kansas. The two have not squared off since 2011, and it doesn't look like this is going to happen. Jayhawks are making their first bowl appearance since 2008. Both these teams are 6-6. You're 6-6, and and you're saying, I won't go to this bowl game with that team? You're 6-6. and I don't know how much wiggle room you have. To be making demands. Second off, uh, your little six and six bull just became way more interesting if you're reviving the border war. And again, last time I checked, college sports tends to be about money, especially from an institutional standpoint. Why in the world are you saying no to this? You are leaving money on the table. This is going to get people out for that game. This is going to get your fan bases out for that game. Why in the world would you pass? It's not unusual for schools to request not playing certain opponents in the postseason. It happens. This is not unheard of, but come on. That's dumb. This is dumb. Absolutely dumb. Speaking of absolutely dumb, I am over the oversized hat trend in the NFL. Brian Robinson on Sunday had this comically huge oversized hat and said his buddy's got a business. Go see him. Now, Josh Allen, after winning on Thursday Night Football, had a giant ball cap with a Thursday Night Football logo on it. Really? We're not doing this. We're not doing this. This is not Norm McDonald as Burt Reynolds on Celebrity Jeopardy with a funny oversized hat. It's just dumb. 
I didn't know this either. The guys that own this this big hat company were actually on Shark Tank. <laughs> no, I'm not getting into this. This is utterly ridiculous. Let's not do that. Also, tomorrow, it looks like uh, Christian Pulisic is in for Team USA. Let's go. That's the best way to start out your day right there. Get those bets in. Let's go. I could not be more excited for Team USA against the Netherlands tomorrow. And apparently, the Netherlands are dealing with a flu outbreak ahead of their matchup. That's the hot rumor. Let's go, USA! 100% on board with that. That'll do it for the show today. Big thank you to Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology for being my guest tomorrow morning. Get up with us 10 to noon. Myself, Kyle Charters, will break it all down and get you ready for the Big Ten Championship game. You don't want to miss out on that. Stay tuned. Coming up next, it's the Boiler Basketball Show. It's an hour of Purdue and Big Ten Men's Basketball Talk on 101.